What was that? <laughs> uh, getting ready. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. Oh, I might just try. version 3.0 this is episode number 10 i'm dan the gang's all here say hi guys what's up dan <laughs> yo dan what's up what's going on, man? yo what's yeah. up so nick yeah where are you at this fine evening i am somewhere in the netherlands in a town called amsterdam oh my god all the way in from the, the other region. side at two o'clock in the morning why do o'clock. dedication folks Look at you going the extra mile, showing up in the middle of the night just for RCHNV3. I just needed help falling asleep. I figured this podcast was the way. That's the best <laughs> way to do it. That's the best way to do it. I've got some... Uh, I'm, I'm going to go first this time. I'm going to break the mold. Do it. But you never went first. Whenever something exciting happens, I just can't contain it. So... Going to have to take a no-fly, first and foremost. No-fly. Oh, bunk. We, I actually, okay, we went camping this weekend and, and, um, I really am turning into a puss when it comes to cold weather. It was just cold, but it was, it was good. The, you know, the leaves are changing and they don't, you know, it's a lot of trees with leaves that fall off. Not a lot of pine trees that I'm used to. So it's a different, different environment. Yeah. Super colorful and shit. Very colorful. Very cold. Very humid. And um, I had every intention, every intention of coming home on Sunday and flying to the point where we even left early so we could get home in time. We weren't that far away. It was about, I don't know, an hour and a half. wasn't too far away. Left early and didn't get a lot of sleep. In fact, hardly any sleep. And I was just, I was just exhausted. When I got home, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm just too tired. So no fly. Um, the camping trip was nice though. But the cool thing, I bought another helicopter. Brand what? new in the box. Oh, what'd you get? I have to go a meeting for that or something, man. I got a uh, SAB Kraken. Oh, nice. Such a fanboy. I know, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm one what of them it? now. Oh. I'm one of them, dude. Nice. I got a deal that I just couldn't pass up. So much, in fact, and we were talking amongst ourselves in our group chat that Nick asked me what color it was, and I thought, you know, I don't even know what, what color it was. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you got to just bite the bullet and make that investment, man, especially if you get a great deal on something. You know? I did. I got a really good deal on a brand new, on a, you know, brand new in the box. Um, I'm sure the only thing that's been ever been opened on it was the canopy, because that's what everybody does. Take a look at the canopy. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, should be here on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's fun, dude. That'll be a yeah, fun was, extra new thing to build. You know, I I, uh, I wasn't intending 
on ever buying a SAB ever, ever. Yeah. No, I kid. I don't know. I mean, I have nothing against them other than now that I'm, now that I'm, I guess I'm part of the SAB tribe now. I, I have, <laughs> I have an SAB and I really like it. Yeah. I actually have, well, I had two of them, but I, you know, sent one away. So never flew it though. That's 630. Never did get around to flying it. So there you go. Now I have a Kraken on the way. Um, I, I know nothing about them. I've never even, I, I guess I've seen them. They're the ones that kind of have that, um, I guess that, I guess, I think the, like digital camo, right? Except red yeah. or whatever, right? It's kind of that. It's got like the full side plates, like ABS or, or carbon with the sticker on the sides and the this whole closed in, right? Is that the I, one with the sealed gear train and shit? Yeah. Is it? Is yeah, it no similar to the, the side, though. The raw has stickers, but it's, the transmission's a little different because you got a first gen Kraken, so it has the um, uh, intermediate shaft, then it has the main gear inside the transmission and the tail output shaft in the transmission too. So it's like a shorter profile transmission than the raw or the new Kraken S. I actually prefer that one. Well, it makes good. really cool like supercharger noises in the air, especially if it's got the straight cut gears. It like whines when you fly it. It's really cool. Nice. Okay. So you got blade farts and transmission farts. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's like a V8 muscle car going like With turbo, through the air. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's um I'm kinda looking forward to it. I'm not gonna be in a super big hurry to build it. I think I have everything I hear I need here, uh, except for a motor. And I'm gonna be talking to Nick about one he has potentially when he gets back from his excursion, his work excursion overseas. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'll, I'll probably, I've got, I mean, other than the motor, I got everything I need. So I'll probably start it. I'll probably start it pretty quick, I guess. But I'm not going to be in a big hurry to get it going. Still got to get the N7 up, right? That that thing still hasn't been mm, finished. Yeah. So I'm kind of slacking on that. But well, you better get cracking. Oh, <laughs> nice one. I see what you did there, dude. I did that. I don't yeah, think anybody he... missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited about it. It's always yeah, nice to get like, another another. That sounds like it'll be fun, dude. Yeah, I'll uh I'll let you know how it goes. But um yeah, no flying, that's unfortunate. And of course, Scott didn't get around to sending before he left. He didn't get around to sending the little Little uh, logo two hundred to me. I'm such a terrible person. I'm sorry, dude. You really Damn are. You. What a <laughs> shithead. What a, what am I, Nick? A fuck. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, was I right? I just guessed. You're right. Oh, you're right. Nail in the head. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm kind of excited to get that little one. I, I Scott gave me a list of parts that I should probably order. Uh, got those coming. I couldn't find a motor anywhere. So, the, tail, the motor. tail motor. Yeah. I think it'll be okay. It it sometimes makes a weird noise, I think. It I don't know. I guess we'll find yeah. out, right? But yeah, I got, it still flies. Uh, yeah, I got the skid coming. I've got a new uh main shaft and a feathering shaft. And uh once I find a motor, I'll get that coming as well. Awesome. 
I'm kind of looking forward to that because these little camping trips, although obviously they're going to be dying down, uh, we still have at least one more that we are kind of committed to in a couple weeks. Really looking forward to that because it was cold. Where did you go this weekend? <laughs> where did we go? Yeah, where where where'd you camp? Can't remember the name of the of the campground, but it was at Raystown Lake. Okay. Yeah, it's uh just a big damned lake. It's um <laughs> damn lake. It's like a river, but they call it a lake. It's kind of windy. Um it's it's I guess. Was it flowing? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was, but it was not. It, it looked kind of stagnantish to me, though. I mean, it looked dirty. Of course, all the all the rivers out here look like that to me. They look kind of like muddy creeks. You know, yeah. they don't. They're not like fast flowing, clear. There are a couple, but I mean, like the Susquehanna and just like these dirty, big, dirty rivers. Not like so, uh, you see in Montana. At what speed does the water have to go to to go from lake to river? I have no idea, man. I just assume <laughs> that it's uh, somebody smarter than me decides that. Yeah, or some guy smoking quite a, a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody smoking a lot of weed. Yeah, they. It's a it's a it's a pretty touristy area, but it was obviously uh, relatively busy. But um, I would imagine in the summer it's it's pretty hopping. One thing I will one thing they do here, and and they kind of do in Montana, but it's like the campgrounds. They have uh, the private campgrounds, in particular. They have like long-term folks that like buy an RV, but then just kind of stick it at a campground and just leave it there. Like come out, I don't know, every other weekend or every weekend and just stay in there. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem to have a lot of these. And so we're there Friday night and there must have been some sports game. I don't know what it was, football, college. I have no idea. But we were, it was relative, I don't know, it was like 9.30 at night and this group of these long-termers. I don't know what they call them. Seasons. I, I don't know. Yahoos. They, they must have had this shit on a projector, right? And we're trying to sleep and it's like they're on the other side of the campground and it's like we're trying to sleep right outside of like a high school football game. Mm-hmm. Dang, uh, that's not Were they projecting it on your camper? No, they were projecting <laughs> it wherever they were at, but it was like the sound. It was like listening oh. to a loudspeaker. You couldn't quite, you know, you were far enough away where you can't, because of the echo, you can't really make out what's being said, but you know, it's like a, an announcer, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just like a couple it, and, blocks and away, there's a game going on. Yeah. And it's just loud and they're just being loud, yelling and screaming. Then all of a sudden you just kind of hear some camper somewhere. yell, Shut the fuck up. Yeah, for sure. But that's super shitty. Like you're out there to get away from technology, well, away from TV and relax. And they go and do that shit. That's well, that's TV. the thing. And in, in every campground that we've been to, there's always been one night where that shit happens, whether it's mm-hmm. the, 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 the ball game on a projection, you know, 10 foot projection TV out in the middle, you know, at a campground or just people playing music like really loud like they're the only ones in the campground i hate that yeah it it was super annoying but that was friday saturday was dead quiet there weren't any people in the campground very peaceful but cold meant to go fishing didn't do that because the water just looked too disgusting i didn't think i wanted to touch any fish that was came out of that water (laughs) right you had to wash the fish off a little bit extra (laughs) yeah or just not touch it just kind of shake the fishing pole to get it off the hook. <laughs> Just jiggle all the <laughs> silt off of it. 
no, it was it was good. We we had a good time. That's always fun. So that was that was my week. Uh, how about Yin? Did you guys get any flying in? I got a little bit of flying in. You know, I didn't get at my every day of flying in. Um, I'm kind of where you're at, Dan. It's starting to get cold up here too, so it's it's not too cold to fly, but it's it's starting to get a little too cold to not like bitch about it being cold while you're flying. So I'm like, uh, so I didn't fly as much. Um, it's actually been really windy around here. You know, it's, you, know, you figure all the leaves are turning and you get these high winds before winter cause fall. Right. So I, I just, I probably got a, maybe one or two flights in, um, over the weekend. I flew the 500, I got the T-Rex 500 going again. It's flying. Um, I've got this unusual thing that's going on with it, though, that I'm trying to figure out. Um, I've got it all dialed in, but um, when I punch it out, it seems like I the only thing I can uh, like equate it to is it's like maybe the ESC is clipping out or something like that briefly, like on full load. So I got to figure out what's going on with that because when I punch out all the way, you'll hear the motor wind up and it'll go like that. There'll be this stop, and then obviously there's this huge transfer of torque because there is no torque and then there is torque and so the, the tail will swing out and everything below probably the top 10 percent you know um of pitch you know i'll be running uh, i think i'm running like 80 percent throttle curve or something like that you know so i i'm not i don't i'm not maximizing the esc or anything like that it's just when i load it up all the way uh, I think it's cutting out. I, I still have control of everything else. So I've got this weird ass gremlin on there and I've got to try and figure out, but I got another speed controller here. I might try that. I'm not sure. But, Don't forget to um, look at your one way too, in case it's slipping at high load. Hey, good call. I mean, oh, I mean, it's a brand new, I, I guess you could get a brand new. That one. Means nothing. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah. I'll check that too. Maybe I'll on the bench. I'll see if I, if it seems like it's slipping or anything like that, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully, I'll get that dialed out. Um, been doing some wrenching on this Goblin 570 for a little bit, which is cool. Um, I got the head off there. The shaft was bent, so I got another one on order um, to put in there. Um, got a couple of bearings replaced. It's really nice because James has a bunch of these extra spare parts. To, uh, I was able to replace a couple of bearings and this and that and um, true up a couple of pieces that were slightly bent from whatever the last crash was, you know. So, um, and... Uh, I got some blades on the way, and then uh, I'll be able to get that sucker made, and so that'll be nice. I'm kind of excited for that. And actually, once those blades come, I'll have a little USB adapter dealy for the brain, the mini brain, so that I can fire up this uh, the little Oxy 2, because that, that's ready to go. It's just been sitting on the bench waiting. I can't program it or anything yet, so once I can do that, then I'll have both those to fly around. Um, it'll be nice to have the little small one going, too, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot more just standing on the deck, flying in the background yard over the snow and then going back inside to warm up, you know, rather than loading up a bunch of shit and taking it to the field in the middle of winter. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, today, uh, well, actually, what else do I got before today? I do have another weird-ass piece of news for today, but um, I found a seven-cell charging board because um, I got all these seven-cell packs, so now I'll be able to charge and balance those things up. and um, um, So that'll be here just in time for me to have this goblin in the air too so dan get your kraken going man and then we can uh we can swap crash stories with our goblins for yeah sure. <laughs> right um so, uh, so another piece of news um that i get oh go ahead 
Sorry. No, I was just going to quickly mention what that is, Rob, is that's, that's age. Yeah. Not being <laughs> yeah. able to tolerate the cold anymore. I think that's what that is. Yeah, dude. In the past, I used to just like shoulder into it and I, it was all about getting out there and flying and I wouldn't think about the cold and I'd let my hands get all the way numb and, you know, realize you're flying and you're like, I have like hardly any like uh, <laughs> fine motor control in my hands anymore. I better just stop flying. Uh, wind's blowing, snow's coming down. You go inside and real quick blow off all the snow and I just don't have the, I'm old, I guess. Yeah, I don't have the tolerance for that anymore. Yep. They, they could just stay on the bench and wait their turn and, and whatever. But what I need around here, dude, is some sort of big indoor place. Whatever happened to the indoor places? People used to always post videos of them flying in like those big inflatable golf domes and shit like that, you know, flying their 450s and smaller. I but would, I don't see anybody doing that anymore. I would love to find a place that would let people do that. I've been looking yeah. for years. Hell yeah. You know, and I... There isn't anywhere around here that already, because this area where I'm at is a huge golfing area. So the whole outside is golf everywhere, but it's also a winter sports place too. So when the winter's around, people aren't trying to do things that they want to do outdoors, indoors, really. They're outdoors. So I don't know, maybe I should start that up, but I don't think anybody would go. I would just be me flying around in this big bubble, you know, all by myself. We used know. to fly. We used to fly in a gymnasium, but the smaller ones, the micros, like the MCPXs and two mm fifties -hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, I had a hook on that around here for a little while. That the local middle school, I knew a guy, this cop that also did security there, and he would let us in there. And me and him and this other guy would go fly there and stuff. And I'm sure they're still floating around here, but we just don't have access to the gym anymore, you know. So. Right. But yeah. So, um, in other news, um, another unusual piece of karma from the universe came and decided to take a seat on my couch uh, the last couple of days. So, I've been trying to help my son locate a car. Um, we got a little money, you know, stored away just to get him his first beater with a heater, you know, just a, a used car, maybe around a thousand, twelve hundred bucks. And so, we go look at this car, and long story short, it needs suspension work, um, like. They're shot. It's all the way down to the bump stops in the back of this little, this little 92 Dodge Spirit, kind of like something grandma would drive around, you know? Um, but uh, so we get to talking to the guy and I'm like, yeah, we, we were going to take it for a test drive, but we couldn't because uh, it was tangled up on one of the springs. I, I'm not sure what the guy did to it, but so we get to talking to the guy and he's like, okay, well, I'll hold it for you. And I'm talking to my son in the car about the vehicle i'm like i'm not sure we're going to want to spend a thousand dollars for this thing and then also have to turn around and do a bunch of suspension work to get you on the road you know that's not a smart buy we should just go look for a different beater with a heater and uh, as we're talking that guy comes up to the car and he's like so i went inside and talked to the missus and we decided that uh you know you guys think about it but if you decide that you want to ha want this car we're just going to give it to you we're going to sign the title over to you your son looks like a great kid um it'll be his first car um, and we'd be happy to do that for you. And we're like, uh, holy shit, really? You know? And wow. so, yeah, wow, totally. And so we, um, you, you, you made sure to ask him more than once, you know, a few times just to make sure he was sure that that's what's really going to happen. And so, um, fast forward to today, me and my son and a couple of his friends, resourceful friends of his went up to, um, this is just one town over from where I'm at. And we went and picked up this little car and now it's in my driveway. And, uh, everything about the car is great. It runs, it drives, um, the interior is good. This it was just some old lady's car, um, and was one owner. And then this guy had it. 
Um, so now we're just going to do some work on the suspension and get him on the road. So that thousand bucks he was going to spend for a car, he can spend on repairs and, you know, um, get his, you know, the, um, tabs and insurance and all the things he's got to do, you know? And so, um, you know, thanks Nate out there in the universe, uh, for giving us that car. Um, you know, we're going to make sure to close that, that karma loop as best we can. You know, that, that's, uh, that's a great thing he did for us. And, He'll never hear that, but I gotta, I gotta speak it out into the world, right? So, so yeah, got a question. Maybe uh, the thousand dollars you could like maybe have him do a driving class because you know the whole post thing. <laughs> there you go. Just you a go. thought. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I can just get him to uh, for the thousand bucks. We'll get like a Nerf front bumper attachment just for the first like <laughs> six months. You know. <laughs> There you go. Airbags on the outside of the car. Make a rule. No passengers. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't be driving <laughs> right? your friends around. No girls, especially. Don't yeah. want to try to be impressing anybody. Yeah. The seat, the back seat's a bench <laughs> seat now. I got, I got, I got to keep an eye on him, man. But you know, when I was in high school, I was really into 12 volt car audio and I had a really loud system. And so I told him, I was like, you know, if you spend, if you save some cash and you want to buy some stereo parts, I'll hook you up. We'll, I'll build you a box and, you know, we'll, we'll set you up with some components up front. And I used to install car stereos and stuff. So I was like, I'll, nice. I'll hook you up, man. Um, so it'll be, that'll be a fun project too once we get in on the road. So his first car. First car. Yep. And it's yeah, his dude. own car. Yeah, man. That's the one you look at most fondly. My first car was a 68 Datsun pickup and it was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yours, right? It was your it first It was one. mine. It was uh, one of those deals where I was in high school and, and me and my buddies, because I was the only one at the time that had a vehicle, we would have to work on it pretty much all week <laughs> to be able to do anything with it on the weekend. <laughs> right. Just to make yeah. it through. Yeah. God, we put that thing through hell. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That first car is awesome. Yeah. So I'm hopeful he'll, he'll have a lot of fun and he's really partial to the, the build and repair process. You know, he watched me do my lift on my car. He got to help a little bit and he really likes working on vehicles and him and his friends do too, you know, so it, it's right down his alley. So everything about it, it all is, it's all hitting the right chords. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's sure. pretty cool. Yeah. Wait a minute. Pump the brakes. You did a lift on your car. No, on my Jeep. I'm sorry. Yeah, my oh, Jeep. Okay. Yeah, I've got. yeah no. no. I imagine the Corolla on 33s or something. I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bet. No, no, my Jeep, uh, my Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. I did the uh, two inch lift on it in my garage myself. Nice. Yeah, for sure. It was a good learning experience, and I wanted to do it all myself. I ain't paying anybody labor for nothing, man. I'm picturing a, you know, a thousand dollar car with four thousand dollar spinners on it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe when he's done, that's what it'll be like. I, I was like, you need to get you some hundred spoke Daytons on this beast. You put airbags <laughs> in the back and you can just squat down in the parking lot. Uh, yeah. All right. Who's so next? that's my week. And now we're back. Oh, uh, we were moving on. As if we never left. Yeah, we're, you know? we're moving on from, from your week. Yeah. We're, we're going to someone else. Who's next? Well, I'm not next. next. No. Oh, all three of you speak oh. up at once. <laughs> Nah, he said Dayton, Hunter Ninja Bear, Ohio. I'm going. All right. <laughs> so, that being said, I drove to Ohio this weekend. My wife's grandma is not doing very well. So, we wanted to make a trip out. We left Friday. Um, figured we'd spend the weekend with her. That way, she can actually visit her. God forbid, before something happens. But, you know, it's life. It's part of what happens. But 
Saturday was freaking awesome because we we did our thing, we visited her, and then we got back to the hotel, and it was kind of just you know downtime, wait until the next day so we can go back and visit. But um, I had messaged Leroy Hall. I was just curious, you know, where is that? I know he's near Cincinnati. I was within like an hour and a half of Cincinnati, so I was like, "Yo, what are you doing?" And apparently, they were kind of already at the field. And I'm like, you got night lights, you got maybe some night rigs or something. So he literally messaged a bunch of people. He got 10 people to come by people with a bunch of like night airplanes and night helicopters. And they got some flashlights and stuff. And we had like a mini 10 person fun fly Saturday night till like midnight. Hell yeah. Nice. Cooking brats and stuff, eating, having a good time. It was a lot of fun. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so shout out to Leroy. Thanks for being awesome, putting that together in literally like half a day's warning. Leroy Hall. Hell yeah. Now, yeah. I, now, <laughs> I, now I feel like a piece of shit for not going back flying after I got done camping. Look at all that effort you went through just to go flying. My God, I'm a loser. <laughs> yeah, man. I drove uh, <sighs> drove an hour and a half for a hot dog and a pool and a helicopter. <sighs> <laughs> You're more of a man than I am. No. No, I'm just dumb. <laughs> And that's it. That's all I did. So, uh, yeah. Sorry for interrupting everyone else. Nick, what'd you do? Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Rewind this here. Back, back up. What the hell, dude? Back it up. What? That was like 30 seconds. That's all I did. Did you fly? Did you crash? Did you, did anybody, you know, did you get to see any impressive flying? I mean, come on, man. Did somebody come up and rub your hair and you thought it was Devin? He... He flew his absolute heart out. We yelled at him repeatedly and he listened to us, which was the dumbest thing anyone could ever do. Almost mm-hmm. hit a couple flight stations, smacked the ground and his night canopy went off. That was cool. So then he was flying just a tail and a disc. Um, <laughs> but it was a hell of a flight. And before we were threatening that we were going to go live and put it on the hangout. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm just going to fly gentle. And I guess all that heckling turned into an awesome flight. Really regretted not putting that thing online. Oh, man. Because it was uh, pretty spectacular. Then I crashed someone's airplane uh, because they gave me a faulty airplane. Oh, they gave you a faulty airplane. Yeah, one of the motors cut out. It was like one of those thrust vectoring dual prop wings. And by the end of the flight, I was full aileron right to keep it flying straight. And I'm like, I literally turned to him. I said, I'm so sorry. It's going in. I don't know what to do. I had a full conversation about like apologizing before I hit the ground. I'm like, there's no more control. It's going in. I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry about this, man. I'm just here. Just I'm trying to try and try and try and crash. Yeah, that's exactly how it went down. I was like, Jesus Christ. He's looking at you like, you got this. You got this. And then finally, you look over like, like, I'm so sorry, man. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, this isn't a skill thing. This is a fucked airplane thing. I'm sorry, yeah. dude. Don't you, don't you have a bit of a history of like airplane death finger? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kill airplanes on a regular basis, but this wasn't one of those. <laughs> dude, that's funny. Hey, at least the lights were pretty before it went in. Oh, it was so pretty. I I did something similar once. I had a buddy of mine that had this this plane and we were, uh, you know, I had a few planes. I, I flew them quite frequently and... um I don't know what I, I don't I don't know I, I I was flying and I started doing a nose dive and for whatever reason I just didn't bring it out of the dive and it literally <laughs> it literally planted nose in and it went about four inches into the ground and it just stayed there like a long time. Wings just folded forward. <laughs> oh, At least it was easy to find, right? 
it was very easy to find and it was only like 25 <laughs> feet in front of us but uh it was kind of the same deal i kind of looked at him and i said oh shit man sorry dude like ah nah that sucks inside the guy's crying dude he is but yeah. that's the only plane i have man no it wasn't that but yeah it's always fun to crash other people's shit right that's Devin? Fact. yes all right so who so shit Scott's? did you crash this week? Yeah. <laughs> did you crash somebody's shit, Devin? No, no, I didn't. I didn't fly uh, this week. What? What the fuck? No fly. No fly. Yeah. Mr. Robot Fingers didn't fly a thing. I did not fly a thing. I My dad did go down to Virginia to Steve Young's event. He spent mm-hmm. the week down there. Yeah. Why didn't you go? Uh, I opted to go to a party on Saturday instead. That's not what I read on Facebook. Do you hear that, Steve? (sighs) Mr. Steve Yoon? You are less important than one of his little childish parties. Oh, and some young ladies at said party. The excuse that that I saw on Facebook, not from you, mind you, was that you had to work. Well, I did work on Thursday and Friday as well because my dad left Thursday morning. Okay. So that is true, but also I did go to a party on Saturday. All so, right. But Wait. it turned out really good in the long run because I stayed Saturday night because we were pretty heavily drinking. Woke up Sunday and a friend of mine had to go get coolant for his car and I hop in my truck and the brake pedal goes straight to the floor. Oh, duh. And uh, I start crawling around looking and the brake line that goes to the rear brakes was just split down, like an inch long of it was split. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to go to Walmart too. Let's go. So <laughs> kind of sounds like someone might have been trying to collect some insurance money on you. You got a life insurance policy? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> might you flirt with that. someone's girl at the party? because that's how i'd make you go (laughs) you know scott i honestly can't remember (laughs) he remembers slashing your brake lines yeah yeah oh that was rough though so went to walmart picked up two quarts of dot four brake fluid and two pairs of ice grips and just pinched the line so it stopped leaking and drove it home with only front brakes Hmm. just in a pinch just pinch it yeah, I needed to get it home instead of leaving it. How far a drive? How far of a drive was it? Half an hour. Yeah, you know. I'll be honest. Gotta do what you did. You do. did you come up with that solution, or did your dad tell you how to do that, or yeah. did you Google it? No, no, no. I I called my dad to tell him what was up, why I wasn't home yet, because he saw that I wasn't home yet, and then I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna pinch the line and drive home." He's like, "Yep, yeah, that's what I would do," and hung up. Yeah, He's like my pinch smart one boy. off and drive home. I get it. Yeah, pinch yep. a loaf and drive home. <laughs> so no, that was good. So I had to drive my other truck to work today because I wasn't able to fix that. Had to drive my other truck to work today. God, first world problem. Yeah, right. Oh shit, dude. <laughs> There's children in Amsterdam that would kill to have half a truck. Yeah, I don't even think the trucks would fit on their roads. <laughs> this is true. so no so after work today i went through the process of fixing the brake line what a bitch 
That's all I can say. Yeah, that's what a pain bitch. in the ass. That is a pain in the ass. It was like three hours when it really should have only been an hour, and it really sucked. But and you get dirty, really dirty and slickery, like Ooh, with, like yep, it's like lubricant, dirty. Oh. Yeah, I'm all lubed up, you know. It'd be so, so much fun. <laughs> Devin, you can just run up and squeeze, and it goes right out your hands like a bar of soap. <laughs> Oh, you gotta make the popping sound too when when I slip yeah. out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Let me drag you all around the driveway. It's <sighs> oh, going wrong. It's going wrong. <laughs> make it stop. It'd be like curling. Just push him down the driveway and sweep in front of him. All right, that's a much better <laughs> picture. I can live with curling. <laughs> I like the other one better. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was good. Fix my truck today. But on heli news, I do have heli news. I want to say, uh, give a huge shout out to Doug Darby for my birthday. He got me the Blackout Mods V2 conversion for the Spectre. Yeah. And buddy. he also broke in my gasser for me. He put like two and a quarter gallons through it. So I don't need to go through the break in process. I just throw it in and tune it up and finish it up a little bit and fly it. So I should all I should have all that stuff from Doug since he's finished. Hopefully, maybe end of the week, next week, around that, and uh, get it flying for RCHO. Nice. Do you already have the engine mount, the solid one? He milled that for me, so that's also coming as well. Yes. Damn. I got one. I was going to give it to you. <laughs> no, yeah, he uh, he CNC'd one for me and got it got it all good to go and. So I'm super excited about that. Got basically everything ready for it. Just waiting for the final stuff. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah. That's all you got. So, yeah, that's all I got. That's all she wrote, mm. folks. I'm expecting, especially from RCHO, I'm expecting some good carnage stories. Well, my truck had carnage. Well, uh, yeah, mm. but that. That's, you know, I don't want to sit here and laugh at you because your truck broke down. I want to laugh at you because you destroyed a helicopter. That's what I yeah. want. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have to get a boom truck to pull that gaster out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, make that a goal, Scott. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So that leaves Nick. Nick, what are you, uh, what have you been up to this week? Well, this is going to be fast. Um, <laughs> cause I have That's not flown. Said. Things Nick says while in Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, Lord. We always yeah, knew so you were a disappointment. You got to wait for the light to turn red and then you walk up to the window. I'm just going to wait. You and? tell me when y'all are done. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're done. All right. So, yeah, no fly this week. Um, I'm on a four-week string of business travel. So, this is week two. So I went Salt Lake City, I'm now in Amsterdam, then I go back to Salt Lake City, and then I go to San Francisco, and then I'm done for the year uh, for work travel. So what's killing me is in Atlanta right now, it is the absolute best flying season. It's fall, it's like 60 degree days, low winds, mm. just like picture perfect day. So I'm just staring every day at my phone at our local helicopter chat group in Atlanta at like beautiful pictures of people flying in fall weather. And I'm like, oh, it sucks. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Can't I'm be glad that. those guys are getting out because it's gorgeous. I do want to give a quick shout out to the folks that reached out to me about uh, my CGY drift problems. I've gotten a few messages from people trying to help me get to the bottom of that. So appreciate those uh, suggestions as I dig deeper. 
Uh, other than that, man, not really much heli-wise going on for me. Just kind of keeping up on what's going on in the heli world, uh, you know, as I wind down from work every day. It's kind of all about work right now for a few weeks for me. And uh, that's all I got, man. Didn't order anything, didn't buy anything. I've got, like, you know, I've still got the Spectre V2 Nick Maxwell Edition kit sitting at home with all the electronics ready to go. So I've got kind of a winter build lined up. You know, when I get back, I am going to pull the Neo off the Puma and flip it back to the CGY and keep fighting with that. Um, you know, I can't I can't leave it be as, as just being unsuccessful. So I, I got to get to the bottom of that. So I have those projects waiting for me, um, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously can't do much about those here. I did bring a transmitter with me so I could sim. But uh, I'm, what, hey, nine that. days into this trip, and I have not simmed yet. So, you know, maybe one day. Plus, you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning recording a podcast. Yeah. yeah. I, in my defense, I didn't really set an alarm. I just was staring at the clock and saw 2 a.m. coming and was like, oh, well, might as well get up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad you did. Legs a bitch, right? Yeah, it sure is. So, hey, I got, I got oh. a question for you, Nick, since you're you out there in Amsterdam. Go. Something that I noticed when I was out that way, I, when I was younger, I went out there to visit my dad, was stationed out there. The most unusual thing that I saw was uh, folks driving around in the most unusual, like, hopped-up car setups. Like, people had, like, four-door Ford Escort chop tops with, like, the weird-ass roll bar in the middle right between the front and back seats and big stereos and rims and guys were just pimping hard with these crazy weird ass domestics small ass you know things that are inconsequential here for us they had them over there as imports and they were flexing hard with these cars and like businessmen were driving around plymouth acclaims and shit like that i don't know if you've seen any unusual vehicles out that way or what no i mean honestly like the the truth behind people that travel for work a lot uh is that (laughs) for the most part we get up in the morning we eat breakfast at the hotel we go to work at the venue we eat lunch at the venue, and if we're lucky, we get off work you know, early enough where we have the energy to like go find food really close to the venue. So I have All not right. been downtown. Like We're, uh, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half, two miles from the center of Amsterdam where all the canals are, uh, out by a big convention yeah. hall out here. So I have uh, had very little free time outside of the venue, unfortunately. But such is my ah, word. Yeah, that's cool. That's how it is, right? If you got a chance, it'd be cool to walk the canal at least once before you go, right? No, I, I should hopefully Saturday night, but we'll see. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. I always had that issue when I traveled for work. I just, I was so exhausted by the end of the day. I just went to the hotel and slept. <laughs> I like rarely ever went out to go see where I was, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's hard, you know, especially with jet lag and everything going on. We have an awful schedule this week, so it'll be what it is, but that's all right. You know, it, these are the hours I put in such that I'll have, you know, most of November and December off uh, to go fly and do projects around the house and get caught up on all that stuff normal people do on weekends. Yeah, nice. It's a good trade. Excellent. Works out. Yeah, it's all right. All righty. Well, maybe it's time to see what kind of news we have this week. News, news, It's weak. Yeah, that's kind of... Sounds like you're pushing out of shit. Yeah, man, you need some... I need some new flat Stool softener or something? I don't know what's going on there. Hey, I work around Cute. that shit all the time. Around stool Literally. software? You're going to smuggle yeah. some out for me or what? I can if you need it, really? Rob. Anything for you, bud. <laughs> this has to be the shittiest news leading I've ever heard. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, speaking of shitty news, uh, not really. 
Uh, so Futaba this week released the new-to-them BR-4000 combo battery checker, servo tester, and receiver tester. Uh, you know, you're familiar with these units. You've seen them from Spectrum and ISDT uh, and others. They're certainly handy to have in your kit at the field. You can plug the balance lead of a LiPo battery into it, you know, get individual cell readouts, balance your cells. You, it's got an XT60 connector on the side that you can plug into it. And you can actually use it to charge USB devices that way. So if you uh, have a like a Futaba transmitter that charges off USB, for example, you can plug a LiPo into one end and then charge via USB off the other. You can monitor SBUS receiver outputs um, by plugging those into the testers. But, you know, it's essentially based on the ISDT tester of the same unit. It's obviously licensed from them. But uh, if you want one with the Futaba logo on it, you can pick one up at FutabaUSA.com and other retailers for $49.99. No, it's a clone. Oh my god! There Not are people out there. Not in a clone. I'm like, there people is a difference. Between, that, I know. I know There's yeah. a difference between licensed technology that you pay money to the original developer to reuse, <laughs> which is what Futaba's clearly done here. You know, Futaba's a giant global corporation and yeah. cloning shit. Yeah, that was lame. There's I a was difference really between. By that. There's- there's a difference between paying attention to the industry and not, and that's how it barfed out into this crazy clone wars bullshit on Facebook. People don't pay attention to shit. Yeah. All right, so in other news, the Kenny Co. edition box set of Theta Servos that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is now available and in stores. Again, that's $480 for a set of full-size cyclics and a tail servo. Again, these are the non-programmable Theta Servos. They've got Kenny Co.'s custom servo settings on them. So in the programmable functionality, be sure and check out the regular thetas there. So here's something of interest. We saw some further updates sort of from Mikado. These are actually from uh, Brian Barrow's Facebook page. Uh, Brian Barrow is one of the uh, prime owners of Mikado USA, uh, and it was on his Facebook page. Uh, he details that Mikado's flight trainer system, which is, uh, you know, you purchase it with a V-control radio and a very special version of the Logo 200, and uh, it's got all kinds of auto level, auto land on a special landing pad, and, you know, flight deck and GPS um, perimeter features to keep the heli in, in a box essentially um, but that's going to go in on sale very soon initially only in germany in late november uh, they're currently waiting for fcc and other approvals elsewhere in the world so once they get you know full licensing approvals uh, that system will uh, be for sale soon uh, globally uh, still no word on pricing on that unit but lots of speculation on that one uh, Brian also then went on to say that uh, Q1 2023 uh, should bring an end to all, quote, inventory woes, in addition to having all new product offerings ready to debut to the market. This is, of course, uh, another pushback of the informal date targets that Mikado has been putting forwards for release of their V-Control Basic and V-Control Touch transmitters. Uh, again, these are not well, the V-Control Basic is a slightly updated version in terms of hardware-wise, uh, but the V-Control Touch will be same hardware, just an updated chip. So this is just them catching up to some supply chain woes. Uh, they do hope that those transmitters will be out in Q1 2023. We had heard earlier this year they'd be released hopefully by the end of this year. Um, I will say there's something about Brian's tone here that feels a lot more confident in the way I read it. So, uh, you know, here's hoping uh, we see some V-Control uh, transmitters um, by the end of Q1 2023. So sometime in the first few months of next year uh, is the latest there. Looking forward to it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people looking forward to that. So I really yeah. hope uh, that comes true for them. Yeah, so if you want to sell your V-Control touches for a markup, do it quick. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> now's your shot. <laughs> Pretty much before Christmas, because after that, people are going to start 
hopefully they'll see real firm release dates and uh, pre-orders uh, go live sometime January, February. We'll see. Uh, Scott, it sounds like you saw some new photos of uh, some updates from Steam. Do you want to share a little more about that? Yeah, that Steam 700 that they're talking about, uh, the one that had boom supports and they did a plastic version of it. Well, they came out with a canopy version of it, which looks, you know, like a normal kind of, you know, a normal helicopter. It's got like a whole snub nose look to it, kind of like that Synergy 566 look. I quite like that. Uh, or is it the 516? Sorry, how it's got a real short nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 516. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that looks real, real cool to me. Um, and then, of course, they did away with the boom support, which is the way everything is going now. So it actually looks like a pretty cool helicopter now. Because I've seen the, the plastic one in person. The head looks fantastic. You know, yep. the machining work, the tail case looks really cool. It's just I couldn't justify a helicopter with boom supports. But now it actually looks pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty nice. Yeah, that's, I think I actually kind of want to get one. So, Rob, now that it's looks like a more mainstream helicopter, are you still interested? Because I know you're kind of into the quirky. Eh. I kind of am, but, you know, I tell you what, I like, so for the brand, I love seeing this progression, right? Because it's showing this growth and it's, it just feels like a better helicopter than what we saw just before that. But it, underneath this canopy though, um, the inner workings, it might be a lot of, it might be very similar, but I got to say, you know, I kind of, there's something about the way the other one looked that was just so unique and off that even though this is out. I'd like to try this, right? But I'd still like to do like, because I've decided that I'd like to do a rotor flight build on that old Steam, that uglier looking one. You know, it's just uniquely ugly cool. That's what <laughs> well, you I like think. The, you like the 600 or the 550, right? Where it's a plastic body? No, it's carbon. It's the 600, I think, is maybe it's the 700. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's the, the body is, the, the frame is carbon, but the body is plastic maybe if we're taking the the 600 and the 700 both are like that i think no there's two different different, or three different kinds with it so they have a 550 that looks like a plastic body the motor kind of sticks out barely at the top the esc is contained the 600 is the same chassis but stretched and then the 700 is a carbon airframe and then you get two flavors of it you can get the canopy on it or you can get the plastic housing over the carbon yes i see what you're saying i think it's this i want to do the 600 of it or maybe the 500 i want to do that version where it's the it's like weird green and maybe i've seen one a picture was green it's like that whole esc and motor area yeah is, is like a unre- non-removable kind of canopy but it's all it looks like abs or some sort of plastic there over the yep, carbon that's the one yeah yeah so i'm going to use that is still what i'm going to use for my rotor flight build right something like that one for the price because super cheap super cheap comparatively to another kit same size and two, just because it's it's unique and cool looking. And also because when I first found Rotorflight, a guy was flying that bird on Rotorflight and he was just beating the shit out of the sky with it. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's do that. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, but I like this thing is cool. This one looks rad. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to see someone, you know, more heli manufacturers uh, sticking around. So uh, I'm curious to see what the price point is because certainly there are some of their other helis where you know very affordable. So uh, let's see where this one lands uh, with the carbon boom. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now it's time for our news of the week. Now this is a subject that RCHN honestly does not have a very strong history with. Um, one of the all-time best episodes of RCHN 2.0 dealt with this topic. Um, if you haven't heard it, you should go find it. Um, 
But I'd like to think that we offer a higher level of maturity host-wise uh, from the previous crew, so maybe we can get through this successfully. <laughs> so we're going to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, held on nice and long there. I, I appreciate I that. I really did. Uh, this better perform like I expect. <laughs> yeah, you just set some pretty damn high expectations. I, I know. I thought it's I would a hard try. subject to get through. It really is. All right. So SAB uh, announced this week that they're releasing three new lubricants. No, not for that, Devin. Um, so SAB is, uh, releasing three separate, uh, lubes that you can purchase for use on your helicopter and maybe some other things. Uh, the first is, uh, some transmission module grease. Uh, this is specifically designed for, uh, metal gears, uh, to protect against wear and corrosion. It features a high pressure absorption capacity. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that is, uh, important, but essentially it's lubricant for their sealed drivetrains, um, specifically. Uh, anyone know what high pressure absorption capacity does for you, lubricant wise? I can show you. Right. Well, I want to see a video of that. In. Yeah. <laughs> well, since you don't want to give me your exact purpose, perhaps you'll like this next lube. It's the multi-purpose grease for whatever you mm. have in mind. Uh, this is meant for your main or your tail shaft. And I'll quote all kinds of bearings. And this is what makes me a little curious about this one. Uh, it claims to reduce friction and protects from, quote, tribo-corrosion. This is another word I have absolutely no idea what tribo-corrosion means. Uh, any, any thoughts there, anyone? Scott, we should try this one later. I'm thinking, is it just spit? <laughs> it could be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's I mean, three times worse than regular corrosion? I mean, I'm imagining this is something very similar to, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Triflow, like a, a more viscous lubricant um, that you would put on your main or tail shaft. Um, I, I can't imagine putting this in bearings, but, you know, that's what they list as a use for it. So maybe we'll get some more info from SAB on this. Uh, and what exactly tribo corrosion is. Maybe you just squirt them on the balls and, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. On your on your your thrust uh, thrust balls, well, wow. it's probably most effective with a Spokane shoehorn. I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> All right, and then thirdly, their freewheel bearing lubricant, uh, which is you know a one way bearing grease. Uh, this is designed for one way bearings with promises of low noise and high speed operation, and quote dynamically light lubrication. Uh, which I suspect means it's, uh, you know, also perhaps higher viscosity. I don't know. You know, obviously I haven't felt samples of any of these loops, so I, I don't have any sort of real feedback as to how, you know, similar they are to say like a silicon heavy grease or a more viscous, you know, tri-flow type grease. But uh, certainly these are made for SAB helicopters or geared towards, you know, that style of one-way bearing, uh, et cetera. So three new lubricants available from SAB at your favorite retailer. I love that they they cover all the bases too. I mean, you get loop for your shafts, loop for your holes, and loop for your trannies. It's everything. <laughs> yeah, dude. All of them are taken. <laughs> so, if you're flying and they all mix together on purpose or by accident, does it give your helicopter an orgasm and it shudders up in the air? No. Or what happens here? No. Oh, I do know that there's a really nice wood lined. Well, actually, it's felt lined, but it's a wooden box. It's the Scott Graham Lube Edition kit, ready to go for your nightstand if you want to pick up all three. <laughs> I'm yes. interested. Sold. I would sign every box. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <That> you would. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and with that, that's all I got for news this week. Sign every box. Can every you sign my lube for me? Whatever you want, dude. I'll maxwell the shit out of it. Signatures everywhere. 
I want Signature inside the lube, a piece of paper that I have to pull out with like a how to use manual on it. <laughs> God, you're difficult. Where are you trying to pull it out from? The lube? Did, yeah. did we already use the lube too? You gotta give him an extra long cool. string. I'm preparing to use the lube. Like I'm opening the bottle. I'm like, oh, look at this little piece of paper in here and it's the instruction manual on which hole to put it in. <laughs> Was it just a picture of me with like pointing to a hole? Yes. Okay. That's a conversation you ha- should have had long ago, Devin. Oh, man. Just a oh, shot from God. the back, bent over, looking between his legs, pointing right at his asshole. Right there. <laughs> oh, God. <All> right. That's <laughs> so bad. Moral compass. Moral compass. <laughs> okay. Is that it for news? News finito. I, I don't have news, but I do have one quick announcement I want to make. And um, this, this one is for a listener from Down Under. Terry. Uh, I, I haven't forgot about you and thanks to Nick getting us some stickers. I know I told you I'd send you some, haven't got around to doing it yet, but I will promise. Just ask Rob. Sometimes it takes me a while to get shit sent out. Yep. It'll happen. But eventually it makes its way. <laughs> so yeah. it's coming, dude. It's coming. Just like Blame Scott. Me. Yeah. Oh, You're, Jesus, no, that's terrible. You were going to use the same box that I sent the 200 in to ship the stickers uh, out to him. So I'm sorry. I, I delayed your stickers. So <laughs> what you ha- what happens is Elaine just comes in there, we know, secretly and just knocks shit off the table. Eventually, randomly, the right thing will land in the empty box and Dan will look down and go, oh shit, I'm supposed to ship that. And he'll just close it and then, then you'll get it. Yeah, it'll it'll probably get sent when Elaine finally says, Jesus, dude, get that, get that shit sent out, man. Do something with this. It's on my kitchen table. Damn it. <laughs> Let's say anyway. It's coming. Promise. Thanks for the patience. All right. That's it for news, huh? Was that not enough? I don't know, man. Can we... Do we... I mean, we got time. You want to make something up? No, I feel like ending on loop was a good note. Yeah. I've been asked a few times to kind of talk about the transition from version two to version three kind of what happened in between why the show eventually ended i mean there's nothing it, it, i don't know it's kind of a boring story but a lot of yeah where the fuck to go well so i think if you objectively listen to the last i don't know six nine months or so of the show you could kind of tell that there was a decline in enthusiasm um after doing the show for so many years yeah one thing that changed for me was um my health was starting to get much better as most listeners know i went from a slightly chubby 480 pounds <laughs> to like uh i don't know 200 and uh, i think it was 280 at the time roughly that's um, almost half dude yeah, which, you know, still big, but, you know, lots of things had changed. And um, after years of, you know, essentially kind of confining ourselves to uh, doing the show over the weekend because we would record on a Friday, edit over the weekend, release on a Monday, I started wanting to do things outside of, of the podcast and out of the hobby in general. 
namely motorcycles. So I really got into riding street bikes and, and taking very long trips to the point where there were times when I would leave on a Friday full intention to come back because I had a really unique shift at the time, uh, schedule at the time. I was working seven on and seven off, which allowed me to uh, really take, you know, it was like a vacation every week almost, you know. Man, oh shit, like a whole week straight. Yeah, so I would leave Friday morning with the intention of being back by the time we were going to record and I would call Nick at six o'clock at night, 300 miles away from home. And be like, I don't think I'm going to make it tonight. And they kind of got a little tired of that. One of my biggest issues was, you know, we, we kind of held ourselves to a pretty high standard. And I know Nick and I were feeling it. We kind of felt like we weren't putting the effort into the show that listeners of the show had come to expect. Or we had come to expect from ourselves. It kind of became harder and harder to do. Justin, on the other hand, he was just, I mean, he was in, man. He, he was, I remember when we, we, you know, we were just talking, uh, as we typically had two, you know, two, three nights a week. Uh, the three or four of us, you know, sometimes Jesse joined us on off nights and we would just literally just talk, like have, like we'd be wrenching on helis and we'd just be talking on Skype or I think it was Skype. I can't remember what we were using at the time. And one night we were just struggling to understand what it is we were going to talk about the next week. And I think it was Nick Lynn who mentioned it. First, he mentioned something about, I think maybe we should take a break or maybe I, I can't remember if he said we should take a break or I want to take a break. And I had been thinking the same thing for several months. And I didn't want to really say anything because I knew how much it meant to uh, the other co-hosts and, and, you know, kind of where we were as a show and, and the effort we'd put in to build the audience that we had built over the years. But it, it just, when he said that, it just like this weight was like, oh, I was like, somebody feels the same way I do. And I was, I quickly, I was, I latched onto that. And I was like, you know what? I've been feeling the same way. And that conversation quickly turned into a bit of an argument because Justin really wanted to kind of hold on to it. And Nick and I were, we, I guess, you know, for, we were done. I mean, we, we, we understood, we understood what the podcast meant, not only to us, but to listeners. And it was a disappointment. We knew we were going to miss it, uh, but it just felt right. And my thought was listening and thinking about the previous several months and the perceived, in my perception anyway, of kind of a declining motivation you know, I wanted that if we were going to go out, I wanted us to go out on top. At you know, we did, we we didn't want to. We wanted to burn out and not fade away. I guess you know, it's like we're done, and yeah, yeah. things stop high. You know, we didn't want it to just slowly deteriorate into this monotonous, shitty production. 
you know, we felt good about what we had accomplished over the years. The listener loyalty and support that we had had garnered right through all those dedicated weekends and and you know not to harp on it but we gave up a lot to do version two the commitment is substantial not that we regretted it and i still don't to this day regret it but there were a lot of opportunities whether it was with you know trips with family or uh whatever that we would just be like mm, you know we we've got a show to do so i'm not gonna go away this weekend or i'm not gonna go do that this weekend and that started to take a toll as well i can tell you that justin put up a hell of an argument and a little bit of inside there I I wasn't, and this might make me sound a bit like an ass, but Justin tried to convince me to let him continue on with the show. Nick and I weren't keen on that. We didn't like that idea because we didn't, we wanted the legacy of RCHN to kind of stand on its own. And I don't know, I it, <laughs> RCHN was... This isn't a true statement, but my perception is I don't, I didn't want RCHN to continue if I wasn't involved with it because I kind of felt like, although I understand how much effort Justin and Nick and Jesse and everybody else who helped us had put into the show, but I kind of, I kind of really felt like it was my baby. It was, you know, I, I started it obviously with Rob and that's selfish. I get that. But I, I don't know if that was, it felt like the right thing to do at the time. So that's how it went down. And Justin was not happy. Not that we didn't, you know, we, we still remain friends to this day. I still talk to him, not as often as I'd like, but we still, we still talk. And he was pretty upset with that decision. Nick supported it. And Jesse, I don't know, he, he was just like, yeah, whatever you guys decide to do, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. However, however it goes down. I think it makes sense based on what you wanted to, right? Because you didn't want it to kind of fizzle out and die slowly. And there was no guarantee if another group took it, that it wouldn't happen. Not saying that he wouldn't do a good job with it. Right, exactly. The exactly. intent was to, to end strong. And the only way to do that is with the full crew. Uh, yes. I mean, and again... I, if it were to continue, I would have wanted to be a part of it. Again, that's selfish. I get that. But that's just, that was my thought process. Dan, I don't think it's selfish. The thing I think about when I think about RCHN is I think you, I, I picture your bushy ass face in your chair, bitching about helicopters and joking <laughs> about the industry and other people hovering around you providing input, Right. It's the way it's always been. It's like you can't have um, uh, a Glenn Beck show without Glenn Beck, or you can't have a Bill O'Reilly show without Bill O'Reilly. You know what I mean? It's just, that's not how it works, right? Uh, this isn't like a talk show like you know the Letterman show, the Tonight Show. It's it's morphed itself over the years, but every time it's changed after the transformation, it's steadfast. It's always the same person. You know what I mean? We can't we can't do that. You're you're the anchor host. You're the person that keeps all of us rugrats in line. 
right? So that we can uh, all have this kind of fun. So that's yeah, my opinion, well, man. Uh, yeah, and I, I see that. And and uh, and that's the way it ended up playing out. I mean, I always, I never, like I, like I said, from the beginning of version two, even back into version one. And, you know, I, I wasn't the answer guy. I'm not the hotshot pilot. I was just the guy that, for the lack of a better word, was just kind of gluing it all together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so I didn't really serve a purpose other than just, you know, trying to keep the show on track and, and kind of being that one recognizable voice um, amidst other folks that knew a hell of a lot more about the hobby than I did and trying to get, you know, not that I needed to, to pull information or, or encourage Nick and, and Justin and Jesse to contribute or pull, you know, information from them. They, you know, they were fully capable of, of doing that. Um, but I just kind of felt like, you know, my job was to ask questions, kind of be a smart ass, kind of be the grumpy guy, kind of, you know, just, just be the, I don't know, <laughs> the center of, of all this stuff that's happening and, and, and having people around me that really kind of fill the gaps, all the gaps, because <laughs> I had plenty, right? And, and that's kind of where, when Nick especially started voicing his concerns about continuing and, and how he and I were almost in agreement, almost 100% when we actually started talking about it, it just made sense. So moving forward from there, we knew we were going to miss it. If you guys listened to the last episode, I didn't, Nick was pretty adamant about saying this is it. I disagreed. I said, you never know. I didn't want to shut the door to another RCHN. But at the time, I had no intention. For years, I had no intention. I actually kind of left the hobby. I mean, I did leave the hobby. Like I, I didn't touch a helicopter for five years or better, right? Uh, I started living a different life. And if you go back, if you go back to the beginning, and Rob, I know you're very familiar because you were part of it. Yeah. RCHN and helicopters in particular, you know, just to kind of quickly rehab, rehash a, a theme and a story that I've told many times, not so much on version three, but on version two, you know, there was a, a pivotal, pivotal, <laughs> a pivotal, oh my God. Pivotal? Is that the word I'm looking for? Probably. You found it. Pivotal. Yeah, there was a um, there was a time in my life where um, I was pretty, I mean, I was health-wise. I mean, literally, I was coming home from a doctor's appointment, one of many different types of doctors I was visiting at the time. And they literally told me that you need to find a reason to live. I mean, seriously, they, you know, it wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't a figure of speech. They weren't trying to encourage me to not be depressed. They were like literally telling me. It's go time. Yeah. If you don't do something, you will be dead next year. I mean, my labs were just completely fucked. Um, my health in general was just off the rails. 
And on the way home, I thought to myself, I've always wanted to try RC helicopters. And then I bought a JR Vibe 50. And well, actually, I bought that Helimax 400 first, but that didn't last long. Um, seven seconds. Uh, <laughs> but I bought that <laughs> JR Vibe 50. And I was able to build that. Uh, I bought that from Gorgon, and he literally sent me the kit. He disassembled the kit in reverse of the manual, labeled every Ziploc bag in, in accordance with the manual. So it was like building a, a new heli. Yeah, for sure, man. That sparked it. All of a sudden, I had a reason and something to look forward to. And it was the start of a turnaround uh, that led to, I think, my continued existence. So I owe a lot to the hobby, right? And that in itself was kind of what sparked RCHN because I was out in the middle of nowhere in Montana and it, um, you know, it was, it was my reason. It was my purpose. And I thoroughly bought in. I mean, I, I went crazy with it uh, to the point where, yeah, I mean, I literally just, it, it was, it got nuts, but it was something that, I mean, I'd literally, if you look back into those early days and those episodes I talked about, I had a trailer 18 foot long trailer. My brother helped me uh, read. He, you know, it was brand new, and we we built the inside with workbenches and heli hangers and a TV and a recliner and everything. Hobby was in that trailer, and ev literally every morning I would I never disconnected it from my truck. Every morning, seven o'clock, I would wake up and I would drive to the field. And I was there till five o'clock every night, every day. And I had the recliner. So if I needed to nap, I took a nap, but I was there every day. Long story short, RCHN uh, short, shortly was born after that. So that's kind of why it all started. Um, but moving forward, you know, all those years of doing version two, you know, all the good things come to an end. So I, I missed podcasting to the point where I actually did do some pilots uh, with a few guys that I knew in various other topics, one of them in particular with James Cadiz, uh, to the point where we were talking to executives at Raytheon uh, to help support this particular project. But it was driven by... Ken uh, Salloway, who listeners of version two will recognize. And if you weren't a regular listener, you still heard him on every episode. He did the outro. He was a uh, very good friend of mine. And he and James and I thought about and worked on a couple pilot episodes for a show uh, that was focused on veteran suicide. And we were going to put it with, at the time, because I was pretty deep into motorcycles, we were going to kind of put a motorcycle spin. So it had a few different iterations of names. Uh, one was the V-Twin Factor, Veterans and V-Twins, or something to that effect. Never really settled on a name, but did a couple pilot episodes. Uh, in the process of doing that, unfortunately, Ken Salloway died. He died of uh, aneurysm. 
uh, James and I tried to can well with James tried to encourage me to continue with this project. James and I tried to record a couple more pilots just to kind of get the flow, kind of get an idea of what it was going to be about, be about and how we were going to structure it. I just couldn't continue it without, cause Ken, you know, not to get into kind of his story, but a lot of folks know that uh, Ken really, although you wouldn't know it when you met him, had some pretty bad demons that he was dealing with in particular uh, survivor's guilt uh, being a lifelong uh, military guy. And he was dealing with these issues kind of behind the scenes and he had a passion for helping veterans because he was going through that as well. So he was kind of the driving factor behind that project. And when he passed, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt like the muse, the inspiration for that project kind of passed with him. And it just, James tried to encourage me, tried to get me to try to do it. And, you know, kind of that whole podcasting theme. And that was one project that kind of worked. And of course, that that never took off. And, and a few other things that I thought about and dabbled with, nothing, you know, as the years went by. So if you fast forward several years, um, I, I you know I, one thing that happened, I got married, which I never saw happening <laughs> ever. Uh, ended up moving to Pennsylvania, and I got out to Pennsylvania, and I don't know what really sparked my interest in getting back into helicopters, other than I kind of start, you know, I was off Facebook, and I just never, I wasn't keeping up with the hobby. I knew nothing about what was going on. And I think I was just kind of looking at Facebook. I, I think I, I got rid of my original Facebook. Uh, I can't remember Dan Reed or whatever it was, but I had another one that I had that I had started years and years ago, uh, based off of a nickname that one listener gave me called Big Country Love, and you guys might remember that one. <laughs> yeah. And um, I I don't know. I just happened across probably the Hangouts or. Uh, I just started kind of watching videos of helicopters and then I went out and looked at the few helicopters that I brought out to Pennsylvania and I got to kind of tinkering around with those and thinking, eh, I could probably get these things flying again, you know, I don't know. And then, uh, of course the wife, she really encouraged me to, cause I was interested in it. And as I started kind of re engaging with just the helicopters, it just started occurring to me that, man, I, I really miss RCHN. Like I, it was a big part of my life for a lot of years. So I mentioned it to a few folks, uh, trusted individuals in the hobby, uh, started kind of remaking contacts with, with people that I hadn't talked to in years. James in particular, of course, he and I never stopped communicating. We'd always, we, you know, we, we've been, in constant communication and calling each other and visiting, you know, going down to California and, you know, staying with him and hanging out. I, I mentioned to him one day, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking about RCHN, a version three. And he was like, Oh my God, dude. Yes. That's all he said. Yes. You got to do it. Hell yeah. That sounds like the default answer. 
And I was like, are you sure? I said, because you know, the it's changed the way people, the way people consume social media and, and, and podcasts. Uh, is it the same? Uh, you know, do I have, would I have to reconfigure how, you know, rethink how I did the show and how do I find people? <laughs> you know, how, I mean, that in itself was a daunting task. It's like, I'm sitting here thinking to be, <laughs> and, and this would have bored you guys to death. I actually contemplated doing a solo RCHN. Oh my God. <laughs> RCH, no. Yeah, that, uh, and James like, dude, you can do it. He said, he said, people will support you because, you know, you, uh, you know, you were a respected individual in the hobby and people enjoyed what you did. I'm sure they would support you. I'm like, yeah, but I just know that I can't do it. I can't imagine you doing the news, the news intro on your own. <laughs> yeah, right? Or the, how do you get in touch with me on my own, right? How could I do that? So I started thinking about that. How, how do I find some individuals? So, I, you know, reintroduced myself to the Hangout and I started re-engaging in uh, different, with different folks in Facebook and, and you know, uh, ran across Nick's uh, videos. And um, I started watching a bunch of his videos and thinking, I kind of like I kind of like his style. I kind of like the way he, uh, you know, the way he approaches stuff. I, he obviously can hold a conversation. He's good at um, presenting himself and and can uh, puts together good videos, good production. And so I sent Nick. You might I don't I sent you a I think I just randomly sent you a message one day. You did. Uh, I did. <laughs> and introduced myself, and I think you knew who I was. I'm not too sure. I did. Um, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned that you had listened to version two. Strangely enough, around that same time, I actually sent Scott a message randomly one day. I don't know if you remember Scott, but I sent you a message saying, Hey, dude, what fun flies are you going to this year? I'd like to hang out with you for a while. Yeah, I was super stoked. I was like, all of them, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so that nothing really ever came of that, uh, that particular message, not for a while, obviously. And then, of course, my first thought was, or after I talk, talked to Nick, I thought, I, I was literally sitting here and I just typed in Rob's uh, Facebook. And he wasn't on Facebook, but he still had Messenger, luckily. Yeah. So I sent him a message. He's like, holy shit, dude, I haven't talked to you. And like, God damn, it had been a long, long time, years, 10 years. Last person I thought, I didn't think I'd hear from you, man. I thought, you know, our paths just kind of diverged so far. Yeah. Just, you know how it is, you know? So I stuck up a conversation with Rob and, and um, I just kind of, I guess, nonchalantly mentioned. So I'm thinking about doing a version three. Oh, dude, that's cool. That's cool. Like yeah, I'm thinking that maybe you ought to, you ought to join. Yeah, and he's like, oh, dude, are you serious? Like hell yeah, man! I think it'd be awesome to have two original RCHN guys, and then get you know a, a few others that are in the hobby already. And you know, our our thought was we're going to approach this as kind of a re-entry like that, you know, at the time I'd been, and it just might've been kind of where I was at with my, at my particular time and space, but I'm thinking 
I feel like I'm seeing a lot of posts of guys, ah, I've been out of the hobby for, you know, whatever, two, three years, kind of thinking about getting into it. I just felt like that was a theme. Like I was seeing that, but I don't know. It's like everything else, you know, you buy a car that all of a sudden you see that car, every, you know what I mean? I don't know. You know, you get, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, it's yeah, just like, totally. you just, you're drawn to those. You like, you, you notice them. And, um, well, so your talking was impeccable, dude, because that's that's how I felt too. You know, I was like, uh, I kind of feel like maybe I want to start doing this again. And then ding, <laughs> my messenger yeah. goes off. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, obviously get in touch with Rob and he's right. He's on board immediately. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, so I'm talking with Nick at the time and I'm talking with Rob and I introduced the two and I, we start doing a group chat to get to know each other a little bit. And then I'm at a fun fly in um, Ocean County Modelers. Is that what it is, Devin? Yes, that's that's the spot. Yeah. And I didn't know Devin. I don't even think that I... I'm sure that I'd seen some videos of you flying because I was kind of watching, consuming all kinds of uh, helicopter shit, but not really able to put a name to the face and I met your dad at a fun fly previous, um, previous to that one or a few weeks before that one. And you were at this one. And so I think, Nick, I talked to you about Devin, didn't I? That's how I kind of, I, I think I did. I don't remember the sequence, but I think I was talking to Nick and, and Rob and, or maybe just Nick. And I was thinking, man, I'm going to talk to this Devin kid and see if maybe he'd be interested. And, and Nick was like, hell yeah, man, that kid can fly. Right. Yep. And so had the opportunity to hang out with Devin. He got to see me at my finest. Oh, yes, I did. A little drunk. Oh, my God. I have a tendency to say too much when I'm drunk. Not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, had a good time that night. And I got to hang out with him. Pretty impressed with him. And, of course, very respected in the hobby. You and your dad. And I had mentioned to him that I'm looking to start up RCHN. And I'd be curious to see if he'd be interested. And of course, he was all kind of aloof and nonchalant. But yeah, yeah, I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, maybe. Anyway, we got him interested. And uh, there you go. You got the first several shows, right? The first, I don't know. This is your third show now, Scott. Yeah. I can't count. I think it is. You didn't it go to is. math school yet. <laughs> I think it's the third show. Yeah, I mean, I my next step was I, I felt like we had a pretty good rounded out crew. Uh, it's always good to have uh, another uh, one concern for us, um, which has turned out to be not an issue, was we knew that Nick's work schedule was such that potentially he might need to take uh, time away. And I'm sure moving into the next week or two, that might happen because you're, like you mentioned, you're in the big of a big, you know, middle of a of a long work trip. But, uh, you know, we got to talking between the four of us and I, you know, I was like, I'm, you know, I, I think, I, you know, actually, actually, Devin actually mentioned that he had talked to Scott or something to that effect. Anyway, lo long story short, Scott and I started shooting the shit on Facebook. However that happened, I can't, I'm old already. I don't remember even three weeks ago, but anyway, start shoot, shooting the shit with, with Scott and um, bam, here we are. RCHN version three. It's and downhill from here. 
totally downhill. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm pretty impressed with the crew that we have. I think everybody really brings a lot to the table. That's not to say for those who miss the original lineup, there's a special place in my heart for those guys. And I, I do miss that because Nick and Justin and I and Jesse, we were, we were very, very tight. And uh, not only did we put on a show together, we spent lots of time at each other's places. Uh, I spent numerous weekends out at Nick's um, and, you know, hanging out with Justin and Jesse. And that was special. We had a, we had a very tight friendship. And I miss that. But I'm looking forward to watching this production and this group grow to be just as tight and grow to put out good shows. And, and we're way ahead of the curve. I just thought that we'll earn our listeners back. So far, that seems to be going well. And thank you, everybody, for the support. It's been amazing, the response, and to see the numbers rise as quickly as they're rising. I don't know that, you know, the hobby was in a different place back in version two. I think that the number of downloads and the number of listeners that we had on a regular basis might be hard to achieve again, just based on that, because I think maybe the participation in the hobby was probably a little greater than it is in today's hobby. That being said, you know, one of our missions, one of our goals here is to encourage new folks into the hobby. You know, hopefully we can accomplish that. You know, providing some entertainment, providing some news, whether made up or not, <laughs> and, some, and providing some tech, good technical talk when the time is appropriate for those that are looking for answers to questions that they're having with, the, with their machines. And we've got the perfect group of people to do that, to make that happen. And everybody here is pretty committed, obviously, to making that happen. And we're, we're encouraged. Uh, I'm encouraged. Um, I'm, I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but I'm very encouraged. Uh, you know, this, this show, too, will come to an end at some point. Hopefully, it's not for 500 episodes. I don't know. You know, let's run, we'll let it run its course and we'll see what happens. But I feel we're going to go strong. We're going to continue to improve the production, work on sound quality, you know, work on delivery and just make it what listeners have come to expect from an RCHN production. So I went into a lot more detail there than I was planning. It was a little bit longer than I thought um, it was going to be, but that's really about it in a nutshell. I mean, we missed it. I missed it. I'm glad it's back and I'm, I was very, I don't know. I, it, it was very humbling to see the excitement when people, you know, when I was laying teasers, uh, of, on Facebook and the, the excitement for a potential version three. And then of course, when we did release the first episode, it was just, it was received very well. You know, we're here to, talk about tough things Urcha we're here to talk about controversy a line <laughs> we're here to make fun of helicopters steam we're here to <laughs> um, you know make fun of each other 
uh, we're here to make fun of people in the hobby that take themselves too seriously. And when we take ourselves too seriously, we're, we're here to laugh along with you when you want to make fun of us or criticize us. We're perfectly open to that. Mm -hmm. Devin. Devin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, you know, we're looking, you know, there's big plans. (laughs) It's, it's moving a little bit slower than I anticipated mainly because it's the time. There's just not enough time, right? Like I know a lot of people are asking about things like shirts and hoodies and yeah, we want to get all that stuff out and we're working on that. It's just taking a little bit longer. I mean, we're still, we're still looking to continue on with the citizen numbers. Uh, Of course, you know, obviously we've taken a different approach to how we are going to fund all this stuff with locals. Thank you for those of you who have chosen to support us there. And by all means, it is not necessary. The show is going to be available to you regardless. Uh, But if you choose to support us, you can do that on locals. And what we've done is we've kind of stepped away from uh, advertising revenue, which is a relief for me because making all those commercials and trying to keep them current is a real pain in the ass. Plus throwing them in each episode. Uh, Don't want to deal with that. You know, these things will happen. It's probably just going to take a little bit longer uh, until we can start rolling in a little bit of uh, revenue to get, move things along and, and get, um, you know, get things like shirts going. Like I'd like to do a pre-order here soon when we have some designs to choose from just to kind of get the whole t-shirt thing rolling and hoodies. I know people are interested, but stickers, that kind of thing. That's kind of the plan. I don't know what the time frames are. Uh, we should have a store on our webpage for that kind of stuff at some point. Uh, again, uh, the plan that I wrote out for all that is long since <laughs> the time frame has long since gone away. It just didn't happen as quickly as I was hoping. So that's it. And now we're here. And now we're here. Yeah. Getting some big country loving from our friend Daniel. <laughs> so. Watching folks fly, watching folks crash, talking shit about all the people. (laughs) RCHN version three, three, three. That was perfect. That That was was nice, (laughs) bro. I'm excited, man. I think we've got a good cross section of the hobby here uh, amongst the five of us now. I agree. I do. I, I agree completely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we do. We've got two exceptional pilots, two guys that you know really enjoy the hobby maybe we're not throw down pilots but we both like to build helicopters uh and then we got rob who's kind of the techie nerdy guy who wants to experiment with with off-brand uh open source and there's a lot of guys in the hobby that may are, are going to be interested in that so it's exciting i mean i think that we're gonna do good things so yes agreed all right that's my monologue i'm sorry i put you guys through that but uh see how much of it stays when I do the edit. How's that grab you? It was hey, cute. It was it better it not be like five minutes long when you do the edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's gonna, it's gonna be like, yeah, we got tired. <laughs> Moving on. It's gonna be the hello and the goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we decided to end, end version two and now we're on version three. That's the long and short of it. <laughs> Moving on, guys. We I, there's a few emails, and I was sitting here trying to 
go through because I wanted I would like to give I would like to say who gave me the emails and unfortunately for whatever reason I can't seem to find them but I know what the emails are and they're just questions that we can address relatively quickly and and we can let Devin and and Scott and whoever else wants to uh, add their two cents but the first one is and I do apologize for not having your name but I just can't seem to find it for whatever reason but the question came that you know we hear the term locked in right that heli uh, feels locked in what does that mean it means you left in the car you locked it and you lost your keys oh jeez god damn you locked it in the car i don't think that's what they were referring to no okay. just a guess so i explained that by how how stable the helicopter is when you do maneuvers in the air so let's say that you have a really sloppily tuned fly barless system and you do a maneuver and you finish the maneuver into forward flight and the thing kind of wiggles and then settles into kind of straight flight or if you're going really fast around a corner and it kind of does what you want it to do but it orifices a little bit or maybe it scoops a little harder than you expected it's just not where you wanted it to be that's not locked in but if you have it tuned in such a way that you do a maneuver and it ends exactly where you thought it was going to be and it doesn't budge when you don't give it any input that's locked in okay so the first way you described it that's pretty much how i have all my heli set up oh i got it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not locked in is that what you're saying rob you're not it's locked like in. loosey goosey around <laughs> all the things now actually the one i've got like one helicopter actually the uh, the t-rex 600 if to further regarding this analogy out of all my helicopters it's the most locked in it's like you're saying scott you can throw it up into a hover and it just is it just set, settles it just i don't know it just feels like one contiguous object not a whole bunch of things that are getting ready to explode and like tracking across the air all those things all the those micro controls that you may have been used to doing like I'm dating myself, but like Dan and I think Scott, you probably flew back then with fly bars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe you flew on a fly bar, but back then you had to do a lot of the uh, stabilization on your gimbals and your, in your radio. You had to be doing it yourself with your thumbs, kind of a little of that, but the 600, I don't feel that as much, but I'll be honest with you. My Gowie X5, bringing it out of the closet, like I've been, I haven't really done a lot, spent a lot of time trying to tune it up or anything like that. And some of the parts are a little old. So the tolerances are a little loose in a couple of spots. And so that thing is just dirty. It flies dirty. It's not dirty. locked in, dude. You know? So, yeah, I think that's, it's like, um, if it flies, I don't know, like just like on rails, robotic, like very, very deliberate and matter of fact, like almost like simulator, you know, that's more like locked in to me. Yeah. One dirty girl. Yeah, dirty. The dirty Gowie. I would say for me, I kind of have the same views on Scott. How smooth and for my type of flying, when I'm flying, I I want the heli to be here. And if I have to work really hard to put that the heli in the spot where I want it, that's not locked in. I'm not connected really to the heli. I'm have to overfly it and think about everything I'm doing versus I can kind of just smoothly enter it and not have to micromanage everything. Yeah. So 
where does that process begin? And and I want to, I guess the best example for you that I have, Scott, is did you feel like the Soxos when you flew it was locked in? Yeah, that was ridiculous. So apparently okay. it begins in the Maiden with your shit. Well, or, <laughs> so does the process begin with a good solid build? Now, I'm not saying I'm a, you know, top-notch builder, but what I can tell you is that was completely default when it comes to tuning. Nothing was adjusted, not any, no rates, no expo, nothing. Do you think, I don't know, what level of proficiency does a pilot need or should they possess? Can you overthink locked in? In other words, can you worry about locked in too much and overdo it to a point where you're tweaking with this, that, and the other when you really don't need to? I get, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I, we didn't do anything to that helicopter. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, these days, when you start with exactly what the manual says and you make sure everything's level and true, and you don't have to go nuts, but everything's as straight as it kind of should be, um, and you stick with defaults on a, a flybarless system, as long as that flybarless system has different categories for different size helicopters, the setup is pretty good out of the box. It's when you start messing with things, changing different bolt holes, different pitch arms, different configurations, starting to throw crazy amounts of pitch in it, like 15 plus degrees of pitch. Things start to get a little squirrely at, at you know, max pitch ranges and stuff. The swash maybe runs out of travel at certain areas, you know, stupid crap like that. That's when stuff starts to get a little weird. So like the more aggressive you want to make it fly. I think the harder it is to make it remain locked in, but typically a default tune out of the box feels really good, especially with Futaba. Like that thing out of the box as it sits, it just adjusts gains down to like 50. The thing's rock solid. I guess it's, it's kind of a learned, I don't know, locked in. Maybe that's kind of a learned skill as you progress because locked in for a beginner is not locked in for someone who's advanced, obviously. Um, yeah, I guess it depends I, how you fly it, right? And what you're doing with it. Right. And it's that, uh, like Rob says, you know, when you get into a flow state, when you're flying in that state, when you're not responding to what the heli's doing, but you're just making the helicopter fly and kind of telling it what to do, when it ends up where you expect it, that's locked in. When you're flying it in that flow state and it ends up somewhere different than you expected it, that's not good. That's not where we want to be. So there's also a mental af aspect to locked in. Yeah, I think so. Where it flies like the way you expect it to and it's what you're used to, that's a yeah. big component to it as well. Yeah, because yeah. unpredictability in flight characteristics is a sure way to lose confidence, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, unpredictability and co completely destroys confidence. You fly completely different when you can't trust or rely on a heli that you're flying. Right. Yeah, like if you put uh, 135 degrees on the swash for CCPM on a 120 heli. That does not fly locked in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would bet. Yeah. Or when you have 14 degrees positive and 23 degrees negative. That oh, has, hell has yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did that once or twice back in the day. Yeah. I warped space time. <laughs> right. Tear up some, tear some servo arms clean off. Yeah. Let me just... <laughs> I'll just say that Nick Lynn did not have confidence in that machine when he test flew it for me. <laughs> He's like, dude, you fuck something up. You <laughs> fuck something up bad. <laughs> yeah. 
You still with us, Nick? I am, yeah. What do you think? What's your locked in? You know, I I like this concept of tuning to your ability. Right. And I feel like, you know, I'm not as advanced a pilot as Scott or Devin and and many others. Um, but I think in all abilities you can get a sense of what locked in is. Right. And for me, my recent experience that really pulled out my sense of it was trying Futaba. Now, again, I've definitely done something wrong. This is not a statement against the CGY. I'm experiencing some drift with it where it just will not sit still in a hover uh, on a calm day. It's also got a little bit of tail drift. And anyway, there's something wrong in my setup that I have to figure out. But flying a helicopter like that, and the helicopter still flies well, but it doesn't exit maneuvers well. Like backwards loops turn into corkscrews where you're not exiting on the same plane you went in, right? You're coming out four feet to the left of where you entered the maneuver. And, and for me, that was all of a sudden very disorienting because I was like, this, this is not locked in. This does not feel how I want my helicopters to feel, how I'm used to them feeling. So especially once you've built and, and flown, you know, more than one, you really get this sense of like, here's what it's supposed to feel. And that's what I would call locked in. And here's the outlier and something's wrong and I need to figure out how to fix it. So I don't think you need to be a pro pilot to feel that. But I think as you learn new maneuvers, you might reinvent what. Uh, your definition of locked in is as you you know raise your expectations. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a stretch here, I, and I don't know. I, I think this applies to what we're talking about, but something that I know in my own personal flying, and I, and I'm pretty sure that it's not the machine. I'm pretty sure that it's my inability to really make sure that I'm not giving any micro input at any given moment, but. One thing that I've noticed when I go inverted and I start to climb out and it doesn't matter. So this actually kind of answers my own question, but uh, you know, what I want to kind of look at is how do we address it? So I've noticed that whenever I go inverted and I climb out and the nose is towards me and I'm kind of going off at an angle, I've noticed that my, the tail always and the, the aileron always kind of makes the helicopter drift to my left. And I'm positive because I can notice it on any helicopter I fly, not just one. So obviously, I'm giving some unintended input. Scott and Devin, being that you guys are well advanced and you've probably gone through things like this, what can a pilot do to rule out unintentional input? Is it add more expo? Is it focus on maybe i you know go back to the basics do you want to try and just see if it's that or do you want to try and fix it like the wrong way and cover it up or do you want to like fix i want to it fix it mind? no i want to fix it in my mind and i want to fix it so i don't have to try to fix it if i get to the point where i can move to a more advanced maneuver so you've already gotten to the point where you recognize what way it goes you kind of know what you think the wrong stick put is you try and drive it the other way excessively. Try and drive it the opposite of the way it keeps going by accident and just get more used to doing that mentally um, and see if it cleans up. Usually that does clean it up. Uh, some people do a patch fix. They'll increase the spring tension on their gimbals, okay. which it works, but it makes these sloppy habits never go away because you're just being held by spring tension. Your fingers still want to go the wrong way. You know what I mean? Right. You're building those bad muscle memories still. Uh, you can argue if you do it enough times with stiff spring tension, your fingers stop moving that way, so it kind of goes away on its own. But I, I, I don't know. I've, I've seen mixed 
mixed responses from that and, and different results. Um, and an expo, I think, is the worst of all because you're okay. still moving the sticks the wrong way and now you're getting away with it. So you're just, you're just cementing these bad habits permanently, you know? Right. So, so I wonder, though, could a guy, like, okay, so if we're thinking, Dan, that maybe when you're facing those in and you punch out, that in your mind, maybe you've got yourself mind-fucked into thinking, am I putting in some aileron input? That's why I'm drifting off to the side while I punch out. So I think to troubleshoot that question, a guy could temporarily go into the radio and put in some expo on just the aileron or something like that, right? And a bunch, right? And then punch out a bunch of times and see, am I still drifting over that way or not? And if you're not, then you know what's happening is you're putting in a micro input, but expos washed it out. So you take your expo out and then you practice what Scott said. Because then you know. You're, but if you, if you do the expo and it's still doing that, maybe there's an interaction issue happening. Maybe like because when you're facing, the nose is facing you, the tail is blowing wind to your right. And when you put punch straight out, the tail is going to impart more force to the right, which is going to push the whole helicopter to the left. It might even tip it over that way. You, you know what it's like when they hover kind of crooked a little bit. So maybe it's that. And you'd know that if you just did a, a test, a troubleshooting only just for testing at Expo and do some of that and see, is it still manifest or not? Then take your Expo back out and then go It's an even there. easier way. So just it, you're doing one direction. You're not doing a maneuver. You're not pure flipping or anything. Just let flip go it upside stick. down, hit negative, let go of the sticks. See what uh, it does. I actually, I thought of that. I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, obviously we're not talking about like, um, I put my hand outside or maybe drink a beer or something or eat a sandwich, but you know, uh, yeah, it, you know, but the only thing that I was thinking is there's still a chance that I'm going to put in, but I guess, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I guess in my thought process, I'm like, well, I may not, since I've let go of the right stick, I'm not going to add any aileron, but there's still a chance that I could be adding in some rudder. But I guess I would see that a little more clearly. I mean, I've, I've honestly, I've sat a radio on the ground before while a helicopter's flying. Like, they want to oh, fly dude. straight. They keep going where you leave them. I've, I've done an auto, and I put the yeah, radio on the yeah. ground and watched the heli come down and picked it up again. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been yelled at by Todd Bennett doing that before. You oh. rebel. Uh. He's not here, and uh, he's not trying to fix the drift, so. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. So you're saying just add, add the collective and just pull your fingers off the controls. Yep. Just lift them up, let them go. I mean, it's not going to crash. It's going up. So it's safe. And if you don't have the bravery for that, you could hand the radio to someone else and they can try it out and see if it drifts the same way or put it on buddy box and you start hitting negative and they'll click you off. So you can't control it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm under no illusion that it's, I know it's me. Right. Because I, I just do. Because, I mean, it happens with every helicopter I fly. And I watched you fly my helicopter and you weren't having any, I mean, at least you didn't voice any issues with any weird drift or anything like that. No. So it's just that mental game, right? It's that, and, and I would love to have like a series of discussions at some point. And I know I've talked to you about this, Scott, uh, where we can take a short amount of time, whether it's 15, 20 minutes, and just have a discussion about the mental game. Exercises to kind of help you, help any pilot kind of, you know, get past certain mind bucks, you know, uh, that I think we all deal with. Some of us obviously deal with it way better than others. But there's been issues 
you know, mental issues with flying a helicopter uh, blocks that I've been dealing with. And dude, I've been flying helicopters for a long time. Like I, obviously one of my biggest issues is, you know, you guys, I'm sure have way more stick time. That's obvious, right? And that's one of my, it's one thing I need to improve on. Like I need to find more time to actually get the stick time in. And um, when I can do that, I do notice some significant improvement in some of these mind games, but I would love to have anyway, that's a topic for another show, I'm sure. But I think those would be some great discussions to kind of set goals for yourself that are realistic, how to achieve them and, and how to really quantify and measure, you know, metrics that make sense in our, uh, objectively met instead yeah. of. And that's a subject too. That's, that's kind of close to my heart too, because I fought through a ton of mental obstacles getting back in the hobby again, because I was so sloppy and repeated the same stuff over and over. Right. So I, you know, I had to get past the same thing, unintended input. I had to get past of orientations that made me shit breaks and panic and stuff like that. And, and just not knowing like how to do right rudder without losing collective and stupid stuff like that. Like I fought through all of that in the past, like three, four years. Right. So definitely a, a highlight in what I've experienced getting back in the hobby. I think that'd, that'd be, be a great, great conversation for sure. Yeah, Hell yeah. Definitely. Dude, it's super refreshing to hear you say to figure out how to get over not adding collective while adding right rudder. Cause that's something right now at this moment I'm dealing with trying to dial out and I know it's mental and I'm trying to work on it. But it's, you know, it's refreshing because everybody has to deal with it, you know. And once you pass it, then, you know, you can kind of level up, you know, those little things. And it's an ordeal. I mean, even something as simple as like doing a 360 and stopping the tail in the same place. That was like impossible when I got back in. It was so difficult just to do stupid, easy stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So. So, so, Dan, stop putting in that stupid extra input and know, get on with I it. I know, right? <laughs> no, for, but for that, my biggest advice is try and drive it the other way. You recognize what way it goes. You already know what you're doing. Figure out what stick direction that is that's wrong. Try and add the other way intentionally. Don't try and go straight. Try and go wrong. The, but okay. the other direction. And you'll start to learn like how to drive it that way and the way it was going back and forth. And you'll gain control over that, that mistake. Yeah, I agree, Scott, in that aspect. Yeah, that's sure. great. Definitely drive it the other way on purpose because you're going to, it's going to be a mental thing of you're going to have to tell yourself to push a stick that way. Because if you're naturally pulling the stick in the direction and the heli's going, you're going to have to be telling yourself, I need to go this way, this way. And yeah, over right. time, you'll naturally occur everything and your hands will find that point at which the heli won't move anymore, which center where you're not putting any endpoints. It's, it's just practice at that point. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't yeah. take long either. Like one or two trips to the field, doing that ten or fifteen times, it'll really start to click. And then you will feel locked in. Hell yeah! Yeah, All it's right. better than the seventy-two hundred megahertz or the seventy-two megahertz days when you'd get locked out because your crystal <laughs> would fall out of your receiver. <laughs> oh, you sound like a planker now. Forgot to goop that sucker in. <laughs> All right, so the next one that we had was actually very timely because I'm kind of looking at the same situation and I'm not a I don't I know just enough about electric stuff to be dangerous with it 
And so you get a new craft or you get a new heli and you're looking at, uh, and I've gotten to this bad habit of calling and this happened because of the drone world. I got in a bad habit of calling machines and stuff craft and I got to stop doing that. But you get a new heli and you're trying to figure out the KV for your particular heli. How do you know what would be, what's the proper KV uh, when you're going to pick a motor? Google image search other people that have that helicopter. No, I don't want to <laughs> do it just no. because other people are doing it. I want to know how to do it so I can do it right, right? Right. Yeah. The way I do it is when I pick up a helicopter, depending on what size it is, 600, 700, I figure out what my RPM is that I want to run. And then I do the math from the KV and the ratio to figure out what motor is going to be give me the best kind of efficiency I can get. And I pick it based off that. Yes. Agreed. hundred percent. I think there's, there's yeah. too many people who start with uh, the cart before the horse in this situation. You know, that is absolutely the way to go about it. You know, figure out your desired head speed and that's where your drivetrain comes from. Um, you know, yes, part of your research can include, you know, some anecdotal stuff. Talk to your friends. What setups have you seen other people have good success with? what people who fly like you have had good success and efficiency in long flight times. Like all that stuff's relevant research as well, but making sure that you're geared appropriately. So you're in the sweet spot of the ESC, you know, that sort of 65 to 80% range, but yeah. most importantly, start with your RPM. Yeah. Cause the biggest motor, you do not need to put the biggest, most powerful motor in your heli. You don't yeah, need to do sure. it. You can just put, like, let's say you're, you're, you have a 700 and you're just going to put a 4525 in it, not something super outrageous like 4530 or something a little smaller, just going to go right in the middle. That's perfect. It will fly your helicopter good at almost any flight style. It's the safe bet. And you're going to get a very wide variety of RPM ranges because of where the motor KV is on that specific one. So you don't need to go really high outrageous where you're going to run crazy head speeds and you don't need to go low. It's You, you just got to play with it and figure out what suits your style. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think there's a I lot of people at- who get excited by the sort of biggest, baddest motors on the planet that we see the pros use. And you know, at that point, you're just giving up flight time because it's more power and torque than you need. I kind of yeah. try and attack it from both sides, too. I mean, yes, I usually start at the RPM that I want to achieve, so I think that's a great idea. But you also want to look at it of, you know, what kind of pack do you want to run, too? Are you running 6S or 12S? So general rule of thumb is if it's 12S, you want to be around 500 to 600 kV. If you're running 6S, you want to be a little over 1,000, give or take. And that'll kind of get you in that ballpark. But you got to look at, obviously, battery. What pinions are available for the helicopter you want to fly? And then what KV motors are available for the, um, for the battery type you want to run? And I don't know if you really want to get into it, but obviously when you do different KVs, you get, you know, a thicker wire inside or thinner wire inside, depending. Like if you do an Exnova 40, uh, what is it? A 530 versus a 560 KV, like the wind is substantially different in there too. Some are more right. efficient, some are not. It doesn't really matter. You're splitting hairs at that point, but um, I always try and I always try and pick a lower KV for what I'm trying to accomplish, and then and then I'll choose pinions or gears to make up the head speed that I want. I don't know if you guys do the same thing with that part, but yeah, I kind of do that. Yeah. as well. 
I just feel that lower KV motors seem to be less strain on the packs for some reason. I've just, whenever I do a higher KV variant, it seems to just make everything run a little hotter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless you're going to go run some outrageous, like, Turek Osadi head speed, where you're you're a little bit easier on the packs, because that's where that higher KV motor is going to, you know, bigger can, more torque, all that stuff, so the head speed ends up helping the packs. There's well, the cans the same size with different KVs. Typically, I've noticed too those bigger motors have a lower KV than anything else. Yeah, no, I do the same thing. I like to aim for the lower KV motors in the four seventy to five ten range for seven hundreds, and you know, thousand to ten fifty on uh, you know five to six hundred size. Um, and then, yeah, I definitely look at gearing as well, just to make sure I'm in that sweet spot of the ESC. I'm often dropping pinion sizes. Yeah. So, but in today's world with um, most modern machines, uh, they, they kind of answer all those questions for you in the manual for the most part, don't they? I mean, I know that the Goblin or the SAB manuals did in the past. They would give you examples of KV and, and different pinions that are acceptable for desired head speed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they all do a good job of it. All right, well, that's about it. You know, and that's something that we um, haven't really talked about. But if you guys, and, you know, I get quite a few emails, but mainly it's just shooting the shit about something we talked about. Like, I got a ton of emails about the uh, the Urch episodes, and I got a ton of emails about the Align stuff, and just people voicing their opinion. By the way, I love that. Whether you agree with us or disagree with us, it's always fun to hear from you. And if you have some questions uh, that you would like, you know, to hear Devin or, or Nick or Rob's input or, or Scott's input, uh, by all means, send those and send those to, to those guys. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about these on the show. Uh, it's always nice to get that feedback and, and interact personally with, with folks. And again, I, I do apologize. I should have written the names down. I don't know. I, I'm sure they're in here somewhere. I just don't, I got to focus on what we're doing. I can't really just start digging through emails, but anyway, I'll try to be better about that moving forward. If you want to send emails asking questions. I think that about wraps this one up. Anybody have any closing thoughts on this one? No? Okay, then. Don't put your opinion on backwards if it's helical. <laughs> that's, that's great advice, Rob. That's good. Yeah. It sounds really weird, <laughs> and then it doesn't work anymore. Oh, no. Scott's going to have to rebuild everything. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put your belt on backwards because it falls off. When your friends tell you to mate in your helicopter naked, they mean no canopy. <laughs> yeah, not you. The bird. <laughs> come on. Wait, what? That really? <laughs> yeah, you missed it. You De- get grass stains on the wrong balls, Devin. Come on. <laughs> oh no, it's the right one. You know that. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And occasionally you have to pay for uh, to get bailed out of jail. That's never a good thing. Depends upon who's there. Yeah, thank God for locals, or we wouldn't be able to afford it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you can hit me up via email at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com or on Facebook at nickwisdomrc. How about you, Devin? So you could get me on Facebook at Devin McClellan or through email at devin at rchnv3.com. And Scott? Well, now that my Facebook works, as of this morning, you could reach me at Scott Graham at Facebook. Or if you want to email me, scott at rchnv3.com. 
I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Please check out our webpage, rchnv3.com. Facebook as well, same name. Locals, if you're so inclined, pretty easy to find. You just got to Google it, go to our webpage, kind of point you to all that stuff. Last but not least, Rob. Daniel. It's your turn, dude. Oh, you guys want to know how to find me or to get yes. a hold of me. Um, okay, so what you have to do is you have to go to a nude beach and find a nude nudist colony member that also knows how to paraglide and convince that person to fly their parasail over the top of Devin's house with a big sign that has what your question is that you're looking for for me. Um, Devin will go outside and see the naked paraglider going by, um, will do his business, and then if he isn't tired afterwards, will notice that there's a message flying behind the paraglider and then read it and realize that's for me. Um, wipe his hand off and then send it to me via uh, Facebook Messenger, and then I'll just reply to you that way. Or if you don't know any nudists, or um, you are afraid that the guy might get arrested and sue you, um, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up on Facebook yourself with clean hands. Um, at rc or nextgenrc.com. You can come check out one of my videos, uh, youtube.com slash nextgenrc. I'm on Instagram, uh, nextgenrc over there as well. I would love That's to a, see that actually. What a Our naked parasailer? Yeah. Yeah. Just to send, just to be able to send you a picture. Of, hey, I got a message for you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if that shit happens, man. <laughs> Please stop sending circus trucks to my house though. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, dude. Papa yeah, Piccola Poopola would be proud, man. Oh He's my popular God. again. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Can I go to bed hey, now? You can go to bed, dude. <laughs> what time is it now? What a trooper. You're like... It's, uh 4.20. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the fuck wants to go to bed? <laughs> What's the point of going to bed now, dude? you got to be to work in like an hour. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's going to show up all wide-eyed, his hair's all fucked up, whatever hair's left, you know? Hey, what am I supposed to do here? I'm not changing chair. What's going on? He's going to have coffee. He's going to be twitching. Like, <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, let's right. go, guys. <laughs> I have never seen him not fully prepared. That's true. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. On behalf of all the guys and myself, we thank you for all your support. We truly enjoyed having you. We just hope you enjoyed being had. Now I know what you're thinking, but I assure you there's absolutely nothing wrong. It's just that time, folks. Now there's no word in the nation's language base for goodbye. So we will leave you with a farewell and a see you later. Best wishes from all of us. Keep flying and many happy landings to you. I'm Ken Salloway, signing off for the nation. <laughs>